Hi, we're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with Decrom. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromolo. Joined as always by my right-hand man, Hal Bent, of full press coverage. Well, if the 2023 NFL season arrived with a whimper in week one, it definitely arrived with a bang in week two. Last week's game showed why football is still keen. We had two overtime games, two impressive comeback wins by NFC East road teams, and several other games that went down to the wire. It finally felt to me and many others that football is back, didn't it, Hal? It certainly did. You get that wackiness of week one out of the way, and everything is back to, I wouldn't say normal, but back to NFL normal for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. We still have a wild, unpredictable season uh, left ahead of us, 16 weeks, uh, 15 games per team. It's going to be a wild ride until we get to the playoffs uh, in January. And uh, what was your biggest takeaway from week two, Hal? David, I am done with 100% done. Brandon Staley and the Chargers, done, done, done. GM Tom Telesco, he's brought in the talent. I mean, we agreed. Staley should have gone last year after that 27 to nothing lead blown in the wild card round. But they're 0-2. Do I think they're going to beat Minnesota and Vegas? I mean, are those supposed to be winnable games? They're going into the week five bye and then have Dallas and Kansas City. This team could be one and five, oh, and six very easily. Defense has Derwin James, Kenneth Murray, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, JC Jackson, Asante Samuel, great players, and they give up 63 points in the first two games of the season. This is supposed to be a defensive genius head coach. The only thing he's defensive about is he's defensive at the press conferences after the game. I am done. You can't fire Staley soon enough. Get him out before the entire season is down the drain. Oh, Hal, you're definitely, oh, definitely ringing a bell here, man. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and I'm sure there's some Charger fans out there that would probably uh, agree with you there. My biggest takeaway from week two is that teams that massively disappointed in week one bounced back in week two. Obviously, the Chiefs bounced back against the Jaguars week two with an impressive defensive performance, by the way, yeah. against Trevor Lawrence uh, at the Jaguars. Uh, we also uh, had, obviously, the Buffalo Bills bouncing back from that Monday night heartbreak against the Jets to a domination over the Raiders uh, last Sunday in Buffalo. Very much needed win for Buffalo. And how about those Seattle Seahawks going on the road at Detroit, shorthanded in the trenches, yet they got out another win in overtime, showing why I personally had them as my sleeper NFC Super Bowl contender this year because uh, Geno Smith, uh, he definitely showed you why last year was the fluke. And that takes us to our GOAT of the week, our capital G-O-A-T, that is. And I'm going to have to give mine to Geno Smith. Yeah, I considered another guy, but he was unfortunately on a losing team, but we'll get to him a little bit later on. But the way Geno played last week, down both his starting offensive tackles, yet constantly throwing dime after dime, after dive, even on series without a DK Metcalf in the game, DK Metcalf was in the locker room for a couple of series, yet he still found a way to get the ball to his playmakers on time. Geno Smith showing you why, like I said, his performance last season wasn't a fluke. He is perfectly capable of sustaining this uh, level of play for several more years down the road. Uh, Geno Smith, you are my go to the week, given the circumstances the Seahawks were under on the road. Who is your go to the week for week two, Hal? Well, uh, you kind of touched on him on your takeaways, but uh, Kansas City defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo, I mean, they did a great job in week one against a high-flying Detroit offense um, and just shut down Calvin Ridley and that Jags offense that looked like they're ready to go off for 30-plus points every single week. Um, Two explosive offenses, only giving up 30 points total in those two games. 
Don't sleep on that Kansas City defense. Steve Spagnolo, you're the GOAT of the week. And a well-deserved honor as well. Spags has that defense playing at a very high level. Heck, they look very damn good in week one without Chris Jones. And uh, and look at them in week two. They took their game up another notch with Chris Jones. And, uh, and they could very well carry this Chiefs team for the early part of the season as they iron out some of the kinks uh, on offense, especially in that wide receiver room. And now on to our Dutch of the Week honors. I'm going to have to give my Dutch of the Week honors to Chicago Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze. Now, both these things can be true. Justin Fields may not be making the progress he should be making and might not be the long-term solution to quarterback in Chicago. But number two, he is absolutely in one of the most pathetic coaching situations to develop. Because look at last year, from week 7 to 16, the Bears started uh, unleashing Justin Fields on all those design runs, which averaged 2.60 points per drive, which was good for 12th best in the NFL during that span. But so far this season, Luke Getze has only called two design runs for Justin Fields. What are you thinking, Luke Getze? You, uh, yes, uh, you are supposed to hope Justin Fields becomes better at throwing from the pocket, but you also have to keep the things he's great at in the game plan, and you're not doing that. That is ultimate coaching malpractice. And how on earth do you call the same exact play on the final drive, <laughs> not once, not twice, but three times in a row, The your opponent themselves after the game said, oh, we knew it was coming, and they sure did because they – took that third screen pass back from pick six. Luke Getze, I have never seen a more pathetic offensive coordinator than you in recent years. You are my touch of the week for week two. What about yours, Hal? Well, um, I'm I'm going to stick with, you know what? Uh, I'll stick with pathetic offensive play. Uh, he's not the offensive coordinator, but it's his defense, uh, his offense. Let's face it. Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh McDaniels, for an offensive guru, you've scored 27 points in two games. You got rid of Derek Carr, who is thriving in New Orleans. You brought in Jimmy Garoppolo. You, you have your quarterback. You have your system. And what are you doing? Josh Jacobs, no running game. Hunter Renfro isn't part of the game plan. He has one reception in two weeks. What What is going on in Vegas? This is starting to look like Josh McDaniels in Denver, part two. Terrible leadership. But I ain't even getting into Chandler Jones here. Come on. Uh, Josh McDaniels, dunce of the week. Oh, you definitely have a point there. And the only saving grace for the Raiders right now is that they have a inferiorly talented Denver Broncos team looking up at them in the division. But that is uh, not even a, a saving grace given the standards in the NFL. And uh, yes, uh, the Raiders did indeed place Chandler Jones on the NFI list today. And we hope that whatever is bothering Chandler Jones, that he gets the help he needs uh, right away. And uh, that's far more important than football. So uh, Chandler Jones, um, all the best to you. And uh, we hope you get well as soon as you possibly can. And uh, I noticed uh, two things in last week's games. Two of the NFL's most controversial rules and or plays rose to the surface. First, we were reminded of that infamous touchback rule last Thursday night as Justin Jefferson fumbled the ball into the end zone from the goal line, giving the Eagles possession at their own 20. Second, we saw the tush push back in full force. And it wasn't just the Eagles. I saw their divisional rival Giants running that play on a fourth and one in the fourth quarter. And as usual, that, that play put the opposing defense at a significant disadvantage. So my question to you, Hal, is should the NFL abolish both the tush push and the touchback rule next year? You know, I like the tush push play. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one here, but you know, Get back to those rugby roots. Let's see, you know, 11 guys pushing 11 guys. I like it. I'm all for it. With all the passing offense and pass wacky, yeah, let's keep the ball on the ground once in a while. Um, seriously, though, on the tush push, I don't know how you really get rid of it. Because, again, if you're not going to allow the ball carrier to be pushed forward i mean that was such a difficult call for the officials to make that's the reason they changed the rule uh you know so that it's you know you can't pull them but it's okay if you push them because 
with a push was illegal back in the 80s, it, it became a judgment call for the officials. And you don't want to put the officials in that situation um, where it's too easy to make a mistake on a and having to question their own judgment. So push, uh, push, keep it around. I'm all fine with that. The touchback rule, I I don't get it was ridiculous to begin with. I mean, that that was just window dressing the league trying to do something to make it look like they care about concussions. The league cared about concussions. Every player would be wearing those pads on top of their helmet that they wear in practice. But the reason they don't is because covering up the logo doesn't sell merchandise. So the NFL truly doesn't care. This is just the touchback rule. Useless. Throw it away. I hate it. Should have never been there to begin with. Just PR by the NFL. Uh, Hal, I've talked about the touchback rule, which you fumble the ball in the end zone. Oh, the opposing oh. team gets the Oh, uh, sorry. The I, I, I'm thinking line. of the, you know, call the touchback within the 25. Sorry. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it get the ball at the 25. Uh, yeah. The touchback rule. Uh, hey. David, I've been hating that since um, it wasn't called correctly in 2005 when uh, Denver against New England in the divisional playoff round. So, um, hey, I, I hate that rule. You fumble the ball through the end zone, just put it back where it was when you fumbled it. The other team doesn't have any business getting the ball and having it be a turnover. It's a ridiculous rule from day one. Throw it out. I'm with that a hundred percent uh so uh you're for uh getting rid of both touchback rules the fumble so rule and Not, the fair catch yeah. rule <laughs> yes yeah yeah get rid of them all i'm all for it <laughs> yeah a little note for the nfl competition committee uh for 2024 there hell and now let's play a little game and assess the zero and two teams and this game is called panic or patience in this game i mentioned one of the zero and two teams that you let me know whether you think it's time to panic or whether we still have to be patient. And we start with the Bengals. Panic or patience? I'm going patience on the Bengals. Um, hey, look, this team just needs to get into the playoffs. Doesn't matter if it's a wild card, uh, playing on the road. It, as long as it, if you can get, if they can be healthy in January, they're a Super Bowl contender. So I don't think they really care where they finish in the division as long as they win enough games to get to the playoffs. And they should. They're just too talented to be playing this badly. So uh, I practice patience for the Bengals. And I'm sure you know what direction you're going to go here. The Chargers. Panic or Full patience? on panic. Full on on panic as long as <laughs> as long as brandon staley's there full on panic how about the carolina panthers this was a team i thought had a very good chance to win the nfc south uh, before the season started now they're owing to owing to in the division as well yeah and everybody else is two and oh in the division so yeah down two games this early i think you know as inept this this offense has looked at times they really i think it's time to push the panic button uh the running game hasn't been effective with miles sanders bryce young is take is clearly going to be taking a lot of lumps this year he's got that high ceiling no doubt about it but uh he's got a lot of work to do and the only way he's going to learn is being out there on the field and you know the weapons are around him uh you know Jonathan Mingo, young wide receiver, um, Adam Thielen. We, you know, we're counting on him to hold up for the year. I wouldn't count on it at this point. So, um, struggling on offense. I know we both love that defense, but um, yeah, I I think in this case it's just a little bit of yeah. Just keep the patience panicking isn't going to do him any good. It's clear after two weeks that um, this is a slow build on that offense and look for an improvement, you know, in weeks, uh, you know, 12 through 18 and see if they can get that straightened out and think about next year. Oh, absolutely. The uh, lack of weapons on offense is clearly uh, not helping Bryce Young in his first year, even though he has shown the right flashes a lot of the time. So uh, stay patient, Panthers fans. I think uh, you got a very good quarterback. Just got to surround him with better personnel uh, next uh, season. How about the Vikings? Panic or patience? You know, I should be saying patience 
because look at we we knew last year 13 and 4 they weren't a 13 win team you know they they won a ridiculous amount of close games um but in that division you've got detroit you've got green bay that's you know jordan love looks like he's going to keep that team competing so it's going to be a tough battle there in the nfc north you've got three really good teams there so I think you gotta have to panic a little bit, um, you know, for for Minnesota. Um, the offense, you you can't, you know, really have too much to fault with that offense. But at the same time, um, the defense laid an egg last week. They've got to see improvement there. So I think there's a little bit of panic definitely in Minnesota, and uh, with a tough matchup this week, yeah, zero and three. That's kind of scary. It most certainly is. And last but not least, in panic or patience, your New England Patriots. What is the verdict well, there? Well, I can tell you, if you if you listen to sports talk radio here in mm. Boston, it's pure panic, and they're mm -hmm. calling for Bill Belichick's head. So <laughs> I don't quite agree with that. Um, <laughs> look, I'm going with the patience on the Patriots. Like I said, we've already seen in two weeks, 2023 Mac Jones looks like a better version of 2021 Mac Jones, and he's thrown out that Matt Patricia 2022 Mac Jones mm -hmm. uh, offense. You know, yes, the offenses look much better. Yes, offensive line problems. Join the rest of the NFL. Half the teams have offensive line problems right now. Uh, I would expect Belichick to get it straightened out. Uh, the defenses looked very good as well. So patience there with New England. Like I said, when we previewed the season, David, you know, I think they're going to be a lot better and they're still going to have a worse record than they did last year just because of that schedule and the talent that they're going up against this year. We shall see how the Patriots fare with that tough schedule, Hal. And now let's discuss the 2-0 teams in a little game called Super Bowl Contender or Super Bowl Pretender. In this game, we I will mention a, a, one of the 2-0 teams, and you let me know whether you think they're a Super Bowl Contender or a Super Bowl Pretender. And we start with the Dallas Cowboys, who have outscored their opponents 60-10 to to start the season. Oh, 70-10, uh, to 10, actually. Contender, contender. I mean, number one offense points scored, number one defense points allowed. Um, Dallas is a machine right now. I, I, I don't know what else to say. Slam dunk contender at this point. They're solid on both sides of the ball. Uh, Mike McCarthy calling the offense says, uh, I think that's the right move. It's looking like it's going to be the right move there. A plus contender. I completely agree. If uh, the Dak Prescott we saw last week is the Dak Prescott we see for the rest of the season, this is a Super Bowl contender in Big D. But how about their NFC East rival Washington Commanders, Super Bowl contender or Super Bowl pretender? I People in Washington think I must think I hate them. I'm picking against them every week. You know, I'm going to say they're not a contender. They're a pretender. I mean, look. They barely beat Arizona. They should have lost that game. Uh, they let Denver put up a way more of a fight than they should have. I, I you know, I, I love what Eric Bieniemy is doing with that offense. I would not have believed that Sam Howell uh, would be effective as he has been these last two weeks. But you know, playoff contender, sure. Super Bowl contender. Uh, no, they've got to be a pretender for me. Yeah, still a ways to go for that team, but definitely a very, very good start in the first year of the post-Dan Snyder era in Washington. How about those Miami Dolphins? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Bill Belichick took away the deep ball, but Mike McDaniel said, no problem, we'll just run the ball down your throat, and they did. What an epic, epic, epic play-calling performance by Mike McDaniel uh, last Saturday night, showing you why he is arguably the most innovative offensive mind in the NFL right now and why Kyle Shanahan refused to let him go until he just had to let him go. So, are the Miami Dolphins Super Bowl contender or Super Bowl pretender? Oh, I, I think they're definitely a contender, no doubt about it. Uh, as long as they have Tua, 
at quarterback. They are a Super Bowl contender in my book. This offense is just clicking. They've got pieces on defense that will keep them competitive. So they're in a game, even if their offense gets slowed down a little. Miami, right there with the cream of the AFC, definitely a contender. Hard to argue there, Hal. And moving back to the NFC South, how about the Atlanta Falcons? Super Bowl contender or Super Bowl pretender? I, I can't say, you know, the Desmond Ritter-led Atlanta Falcons are a Super Bowl contender. I just can't do it, David. Good win against Green Bay, no doubt about it. Solid against Carolina, who's, you know, uh, their their defense certainly looks uh, a lot better this year than I expected in Atlanta. That's been the surprise for me. Um, you know, Jesse Bates sitting in there and being very effective as well. Um, you know, Grady Jarrett continuing to be a force in the middle. So, yeah, the defense has been the surprise there. I don't know if they can keep that up. I can't trust Des Ritter, you know, especially I think these next two weeks as well, uh, Detroit and Jacksonville on the road, you know, I think we'll be uh, settling, uh, regressing back to the mean and we'll have uh, Atlanta at two and two very soon. So I will say pretender. I agree with you there. Uh, as much as I love the rest of that roster, I'm just not a big Desmond Ritter fan. He just does not seem like the guy at quarterback long-term in Atlanta. How about the new look Baltimore Ravens and that Todd Mocken offense? Super Bowl contender or Super Bowl pretender? I want to say contender so, so bad. Um, but again, you know, already been hit by the injury bug. J.K. Yeah. Dobbins out there. I mean, I, I love Zay Flowers' fit in that offense. He has been absolutely fantastic but again are they gonna hold up is odell beckham gonna last the year and not get injured is lamar gonna last the year and not get injured um you know defense how many guys are gonna go down they've already had some hits in the secondary as well so i the no team has worse injury luck than baltimore i just see it continuing again so i've got to say pretender as much as it pains me uh, you got a point there, but uh, if if Lamar stays healthy, then this team is definitely still a contender uh, in my eyes. How about the New Orleans Saints? Super Bowl contender or Super Bowl pretender? Keep in mind, the New Orleans Saints are on a very, very, very historic streak on defense. The Saints have held their opponents under 21 points in 10 consecutive games. Only the Patriots have had a better streak of 11 in the last decade. So. Given that, Super Bowl contender or Super Bowl pretender in New Orleans? You know, I'm going to say a contender because in that division, Carolina, Atlanta, Tampa, they don't scare me. I think New Orleans is going to be able to pile up a lot of wins. I mean, they could be, uh, you know, hosting a playoff game in the first round as well. So huge advantage to New Orleans to, you know, to be thinking about playing at home in January. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the contender. I mean, I... <laughs> I find it hard to believe in Derek Carr. He's let me down so, so many times in Las Vegas and Oakland. But, um, hey, you know, they're getting it done on defense, and I think they're going to do just enough on offense. You know, Pete Carmichael is uh, getting it done um, even without Alvin Kamara. So you add him into the mix later on in the season. Michael Thomas is uh, looking healthy. Chris Olave, of course, is excellent. Rahit Shahid adds a speed element to that offense. I, I'm buying in. I, I, I'm convincing myself here, David. They're, they're a contender. Oh, you would definitely have a point there, Hal. If the Saints defense continues to do what they're doing, uh, and if the offense uh, takes their game up a notch and averages uh, 24 points per game over the next couple of weeks, this team could very well be a contender at the end of the day. And now it's time to play our favorite game on this program, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this game works, Hal. I make a statement and you let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether you think I'm exaggerating and then explain why. The Browns traded sign for Deshaun Watson will go down as the worst move in NFL history, 
unless he gets back to the level he played at earlier in his career? Truth or exaggeration? Well, uh, contract-wise, definitely, yeah, signing that contract, truth. I, I think there's, you know, uh, 31 other owners who hate Jimmy Haslam for that, um, messing up their uh, quarterback market. But, yeah, uh, contract, definitely uh, the worst part. Tr trade overall, boy, that is a tough one. I mean, I still remember... Um, you know, the Colts trading uh, for, uh, trading for Trent Richardson after Cleveland took him at number three overall uh, and had a down rookie year. And, you know, that trade's just horrible in every way imaginable now that I think about it, because Cleveland ended up using that pick to trade up for Johnny Manziel. So I don't think you could ever have a worse trade than that one there. <laughs> Richardson for Manziel. So that's going to be the worst trade in NFL history. But but that si that contract, yeah, is going to be the worst deal there. So uh, this will give it a close second on the trade, but definitely truth on that fully guaranteed contract bust in the bank and uh, setting up so many teams for so many troubling negotiations down the road. Uh, you have a very interesting point there to think the Trent Richardson trade is even worse than this. Uh, <laughs> history might render a completely different verdict tale, but we shall see. And as much as I love having football back, it's been a relatively unpleasant start of the season for me because both, my Chicago Bears and my Denver Broncos stink. They just stink, <laughs> and that's all there is to it. So, truth or exaggeration, whoever loses the game between the Bears and the Broncos in week four will end up with the first overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft. I've got to say, exaggeration, David, because. The Arizona Cardinals are still in the league, and they are locking in that number one pick. They got number one with a bullet written all over them. So I think the the loser is looking at, can we get the number two overall pick? So uh, maybe not Caleb Williams, but, uh, you know, you get May as the consolation prize. There's a side of me that remains hopeful that either the Bears or Broncos can out Cardinal the Cardinals, but... Uh... <laughs> Then again, uh, the Cardinals are definitely uh, still in the lead, even though we're still early in the season. And now on to uh, Kansas City, where Chris Jones' return was felt big time last week. But as Adam Schefter reported, the Chiefs are not going to use the franchise tag on him again because it's probably going to be too expensive for them to do so, given all the other contracts and people up for new contracts they have on their books right now. So... Since Chris Jones is unlikely to get a second franchise tag, 2023 will be his final season in Kansas City. Truth or exaggeration? You know, I want to say exaggeration and say they're going to figure it out somehow, some way. Um, but boy, if he gets to free agency, forget it. Forget it. He is going to get paid um and i don't think the chiefs will be able to to match it i don't think he's going to come back on a team friendly deal and take you know less money than what's going to get thrown on him if he hits free agency next march so uh i uh, i have to grudgingly go with the truth here yeah, I unfortunately believe you're right, Hal. I think uh, that after this season, the Chiefs are more likely than not going to be searching for a long-term successor to another one of their franchise's all-time greats in Chris Jones. And early on, I mentioned that I was considering someone else for the Go to the Week award for Week 2 before I settled on Geno Smith. The guy I was considering at first was Rams rookie wide receiver and the guy who almost single-handedly won me my fantasy matchup last week in our league, Rams rookie wide receiver Puka Nakua, the fifth-round pick out of BYU. Puka Nakua, this past Sunday against the 49ers, he had 15 receptions for 147 yards, which was the most receptions in a single game by a rookie in NFL history. And Puka Nakua is also the first player in NFL history with at least 10 receptions and 100 receiving yards in each of his first two career games. So truth or exaggeration, Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua will be a serious candidate for 2023 Offensive Rookie of the Year. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the truth. I mean, everybody is expecting Cooper Cup's going to come back and Puka Nakua is just going to slide to the bench. And, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, it's not going to happen. I mean, you, Sean McVay is smart enough to make sure his best players are on the field. And will the numbers drop a little? Maybe, sure. You know, more targets for Cup, sure. But having two of those guys instead of just one, you're not going to bench him there. No, he's in the mix. Definitely, um, what a steal in the fifth round. Again, the Rams do it with those late-round picks. Uh, Fantastic work by their scouting department. So I'm going truth on the Kua. Yeah, plus uh, you can think of Puka Nakua as the Debo Samuel in Sean McVay's offense. Get that. He's got a pretty similar skill set. You could – you could uh, make him a running back on some plays. Uh, you could l- line him up everywhere in the formation. Puka Nakua is a weapon, folks. And uh, I, y- we are only seeing the beginning of a great NFL career, I truly, truly believe. And moving on to Detroit, where the significant injuries and subsequent lengthy absences of defensive end James Houston and defensive back C.J. Garner-Johnson significantly diminished Detroit's chances of winning the NFC North. Truth or exaggeration? Look, I, I have to say truth because, uh, you know, the pass rush has been nothing but Aiden Hutchinson and without Houston, that's just getting weaker. And we knew that paper thin secondary uh, needed CJ Gardner Johnson. So that's putting them in a jam. Um, you know, weakened pass rush already weak, weakened paper thin secondary already taken a hit. Yeah. Uh, Detroit's going to be looking at a lot of 34 to 31 games here. Uh, I think that's the future here. That's really putting a, or I should say 37, 31, like last week against Seattle. So uh, yeah, definitely truth there. Uh, Those injuries are huge for that Detroit defense. Uh, They both certainly are. And uh, how they weathered the storm could be the big tell as to how far they will go this season. And now back to the New York Jets. Barring dramatic improvement from Zach Wilson, the Jets should trade for Saints quarterback Jameis Winston. Truth or exaggeration? I mean, I have to say truth. This defense in New York is fan to its championship level defense. And that's why everyone was so excited about Aaron Rodgers landing in New York as a jet. So uh, the step down from Aaron Rodgers to Zach Wilson, I mean, come on. They, they basically said at the be, you know, in the off season, Wilson, you're not good enough, but you know, it's just sit around for a couple of years and maybe you'll figure it out and to throw him back out there uh, here this early in the season in a sink or swim. I mean, the, the poor kids in a no win situation, really um, he needs development time. And this team, you know, like San Francisco with Trey Lance, uh, the rest of the team around him is at one level. Uh, his development is at the other, and they just don't have time or patience for him to develop right now. So definitely uh, a truth. They've got to go out and get somebody. Uh, Jameis Winston, ooh, is, <laughs> he would be fun in this offense. Yeah, go get Jameis. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And uh, the Jets, uh, as bad as Zach Wilson is, they arguably faced the best defense in the NFL uh, last week in the Dallas Cowboys. And that's our next subject in truth or exaggeration. Micah Parsons is now the best defensive player in the NFL. And do I hear a simpatico alert? Oh, I want to say it so bad. And I, you know, I feel like an idiot, but man, as long as Aaron Donald's in the league, as long as there's a Watt and there's a Bosa, it's it's so hard to to juggle who is the best out of all of these players. So, um, oh, I, I I'm gonna go with I want to say truth and. In two weeks, I might say truth, and in four weeks, I'd say exaggeration again. But um, I don't think he's dethroned Aaron Donald just yet, but this might be the year he does. So I'll put a little asterisk there and say exaggeration, but uh, could be true. That's a good way to put it, Hal. We'll just wait to see if the season plays out. But if Micah Parsons keeps this up, 
then I think it's yeah. going to be hard to say that he hasn't dethroned uh, Aaron Donald for that honor. And last but not least, in truth or exaggeration, if the offensive inconsistencies continue with Jacksonville, Doug Peterson must take back the play calling duties from offensive coordinator Press Taylor. Truth or exaggeration? Ah, you know, I, I hate to throw poor Press Taylor <laughs> under the bus after two weeks, but but yeah, the, the way you answered the question, I have to say, the way you asked the question, I have to say truth, because if this continues, uh, Doug Peterson isn't going to have any other option but to step in and take over the play calling, uh, just like Mike McCarthy in uh, Dallas has stepped in and, and that offense has been fantastic still. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I have to go with the truth on this one. Uh, you know, not throwing any <laughs> at Press Taylor. I'm rooting for you, bud. Go out there and fix this. But, um, yeah, truth for now. And now it's time to pick these week three games. And let's start with our locks of the week. My lock of the week, the 2-0 Miami Dolphins, who I picked to lose in both weeks one and two. You are my lock of the week in week three against my Denver Broncos. And that guy, awful, <laughs> terrible, no good, very bad defense. And I don't think it's even going to be close. Just how badly do the Dolphins beat the Broncos? Stay tuned for bold predictions. What is your lock of the week, Cal? Well, I mean, this week, like we talked about, it's tough. We could I could have had a couple of different locks here, no doubt about it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, ju just too many. But I'm going to go with Dallas, Arizona. I mean, oh, Dallas just playing so great on both sides of the ball. Arizona already eyeing that number one overall pick. And, and let's face it, Dallas playing in Arizona, that may as well be a home game for them. There's more Cowboys fans and Cardinals fans there. So um, Dallas, lock of the week, 38 to 10 over the Cardinals. Oh, I like the Cowboys over the Cardinals easily as well, just as I'm sure we're simpatico about the uh, Dolphins and Broncos. And uh, yep. now let's uh, move on to our upset specials. What is your upset special this week, Hal? San Francisco's going to lose sometime, right? Why not make it something wacky like a Thursday night game and then a beat-up Giants team? What? I'm going Giants 28, 49 is 25. That's my upset special. You'll have to wait for the bold prediction on how that came about. Ooh, that is fascinating, Cal. I just do not see a Giants team that had to come back from 28-7 down to the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> and not having Saquon Barkley or Andrew Thomas beating the 49ers on a short week. I just cannot see that happening. So we're in disagreement there. My upset special, the Philadelphia Eagles may be 2-0. They may be a Super Bowl contender, but Jalen Hurts in that passing game right now are struggling. Defenses are throwing new looks at them, and they've had a hard time countering that within the confines of the passing game. So last week, they just ditched the passing game and just ran the ball down the Vikings' throats instead. Running the ball ain't going to work against the Bucks and Vita Vea and Levante David and Devin White. They're going to have to throw. And I think the Bucks find a way to bait Jalen Hurts into a mistake or two, which turns out to be the difference in the game. I like the Bucks to upset the Eagles on Monday Night Football and improve to 3-0 and set the Eagles to 2-1. and Do you like the Bucks in that game, or do you think the Eagles win? Uh, I've got the Eagles winning it, but I have it a close game, and I really thought about that as an upset special as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the, this Bucks defense has been impressive so far this year. And, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield just doing enough to get it done here. Um, you know, certainly taking advantage of those top flight wide receivers in Evans and Godwin. So that's their recipe for success. Uh, I, I think they would have to be able to run the ball more. And I, you know, worry about Baker Mayfield against that insanely talented uh, Philadelphia front, but um, I really wanted to go there, but I have Philadelphia taking it 24 to 20 over Tampa in a close one. And on Sunday afternoon in our nation's capital, the 2-0 commanders host the Buffalo Bills. I wanted to pick the commanders for an upset special, but the fact that they barely beat the Cardinals in week one 
and fell behind to a very bad Broncos team last week, 21 to three, just shows me they aren't quite ready to beat the Bills. Don't get me wrong. I think this game is going to be very close. And I do think the commanders cover the spread. But at the end of the day, the talent and experience favor the Bills. I like the Bills in this game. David, full simpatico alert here on this one. I thought of this game as an upset potential for Washington as well. But, uh, you know, being at home and all and, you know, the momentum and, uh, you know, the offense overproof overperforming these uh, first two weeks but yeah level of competition plays into that as well and uh buffalo is getting themselves straightened out i just can't pick against the bills in this game so i have buffalo 24 washington 20 your new england patriots go to metlife stadium to take on the jets in an afc east divisional battle as much as i love the jets defense if they had Aaron Rodgers in this game, I'd probably pick the Jets to win. But Bill Belichick going against Zach Wilson. This could be the mismatch of the entire week in the NFL, and it's not going to be enough for the Jets to overcome. I like the Patriots in an ugly, low-scoring game. Call it 16-9. to Yeah, I mean, the, the most uh, impressive thing about the Patriots has been Mac Jones handling the pressure um, in this offense with uh, Bill O'Brien running the show. So he has, I mean, he has been facing the pressure. Uh, Miami was getting after him. You know what the Eagles can do. And uh, he stood back there and made, you know, he's been completing nearly 70% of his passes. Uh, he's stood in the face of pressure, got the ball out in a hurry, looked really good. Um, I I think the Patriots should be able to do just enough on offense uh, against this defense, which will keep the Jets in the game. But yeah, Zach Wilson, Bill Belichick, like you said, that's a bit of a mismatch. I've got New England getting their first win 20 to 17 over the Jets. And moving right along in a key battle of 0-2 teams, the Chargers travel to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. And given all of Brandon Staley's flaws as a head coach, I just have a hard time seeing the Chargers fall to 0-3, and here is why. According to Daniel Popper of The Athletic, who is the Chargers beat reporter for that uh, amazing, amazing uh, website and publication, since 2000, over 100 teams have rushed for 200 or more yards, held their opponent under 100 rushing yards, committed no turnovers, and won the turnover margin by at least two in a single game. All those teams were undefeated until the Chargers lost to the Dolphins in week one. And through two games, according to Doug Clawson of CBS Sports, the Chargers have scored over 50 total points and not committed a turnover. They're the 33rd team to do so in the Super Bowl era and are the only such team to start 0-2. This is just a major outlier these past couple weeks. I just do not see continuing this week. I like the Chargers in this game. Chargers got a Charger. I'm going with Minnesota here. Um... <laughs> the, the tale of the underachievers no doubt about it um i just can't trust I, I i told you at the beginning of the show i'm done on brandon staley i'm picking against his chargers i'm picking minnesota in a high scoring fun one 34 to 30 over the chargers the 2-0 Atlanta Falcons take their talents on the road to the Detroit Lions. And this game, I think, it might be a little bit harder to pick because uh, we mentioned the uh, injuries to James Houston and C.J. Garner-Johnson, both who will obviously miss this week and several other games uh, down the road. And neither Amon Ross St. Brown nor David Montgomery practiced today for the Lions. Uh, so this is fluid. But at the same time, I got to just trust my gut here. I initially picked the Lions to win, and I just think that the weakness of Desmond Ritter has to catch up at some point because I still don't see uh, the Falcons being able to run wild on the Lions' defense, and they're going to be forced to pass. And I think Ritter makes a costly mistake or two that is the difference in a close game. I like the Lions. Yeah, I I feel the same way. I feel like I should be picking Atlanta. I 
should be believing that they can be three and zero here. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, I look at them and I also say, Carolina pulled one out against Green Bay. I, I just don't trust that offense. Um, much as I love those skill position players there, um, but I still have to go with a beat up Detroit team at home against Atlanta. And I've got Detroit taking it 27, 24. The new Orleans saints hope to make it three, and zero in green Bay against the Packers and the saints have been impressive defensively, but offensively they've been underwhelming, at least to me. Yes. They got talent on that offense. They got Chris Olave. They got, Michael Thomas in a good role as that third receiving option, uh, especially once Alvin Kamara gets back. They got Rashid Shaheed, who you mentioned, that a dangerous vertical threat. But they just can't seem to finish in the red zone, which has been a staple of Derek Carr-led teams in recent years. And I think their red zone inefficiencies come back to bite them this week. I think even without Aaron Jones, Jordan Love makes more than enough throws to win the game. I like the Packers in their home opener at Lambeau. Yeah, I, I really excited to see Jordan Love with that uh, home crowd there for the first time as the the third in the line of this quarterback uh, Regency here in Green Bay. So uh, I just want to pick Green Bay. I, yeah, again, like you said, going with the gut, New Orleans, that defense has looked absolutely fantastic, but let's face it. I don't believe it in anyone in the <laughs> NFC South. I don't care what their record is. I'm more than willing to pick against them. So I'm going with uh, green Bay 24 to 17 over the saints. The Indianapolis Colts off a very impressive win over the Texans travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. The development of Anthony Richardson is precisely on schedule, if not ahead of schedule. Shane Steichen is doing his job. Anthony Richardson looks fantastic, but unfortunately, he's unlikely to play in this game because of that concussion. It'll be Gardner Mitchell. But even if it were Anthony Richardson this game, still got to take the Ravens either way because they're the more talented team. Uh, Lamar Jackson uh, might be playing his best ball ever right now in that Todd Mocket offense. And that defense, despite question marks uh, in the pass rush and injuries in the secondary, Mike McDonald just continues to find ways to get the utmost out of that defense. And they are going to uh, make life a nightmare for Gardner Minshew on Sunday. I like the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I would have loved to see Anthony Richardson and Lamar Jackson uh, going head to head in this game and, and watching both defenses chasing these guys around, trying to bring them down. Um, but yeah, unfortunately I just can't pick Indianapolis at this stage. And I still think Baltimore, despite their injuries is a, such a more talented team. Um, this is another game I thought could have been my lock of the week. So Baltimore 34, Indianapolis 13. The Tennessee Titans coming off a greedy overtime win over the Chargers travel to Cleveland to take out the Browns coming off that heartbreaking loss to the Steelers. But the Browns, that wasn't the only heartbreaking loss on Monday. The other heartbreaking loss, Nick Chubb, losing Nick Chubb to that absolutely grotesque knee injury. Like it's the second time in his football play career he's had such an injury. And it's, and I think it's fair to wonder whether he's, going to be able to play football yeah. again after yeah. this. Oh, my God. It, it's absolutely heartbreaking to see such a great hard-nosed player like Nick Chubb go down the way he did. And the Char I, I mean the Browns, they are going to sorely miss him starting this week. Uh, yes, uh, there's a crowd called running backs don't matter. And, yes, the Browns have a very good offensive line. But Jerome Ford nor Kareem Hunt, they just do not bring the dimension that Nick Chubb brings that offense. Chubb was the centerpiece of the offense. And now with a decline to Sean Watson, it is gone. And I disobeyed the 12th commandment last week. <laughs> Thou shalt not bet against a team coached by Mike Vrabel. I'm not going to do that this week. Give me the Titans. Yeah, th there's no way I'm picking Deshaun Watson to beat a Mike Vrabel team here. I just cannot do it. I'll make it a close game, but uh, Cleveland, yeah, they got to be down all week with the Chubb injury. Tennessee, 19, Cleveland, 16, an extra ugly game for people who like defensive battles. 
The Houston Texans may be 0-2, but that doesn't change the fact that C.J. Stroud looks like the dude for them at quarterback. He has been lights out to start the year. He's with his just timing, his accuracy, his ball placement. Oh, my God. He, he, he's special. That is all there is to it. But that said, the growing pains are going to continue for them uh, this Sunday. Gr better days are ahead for the Texans, no doubt in my mind. But uh, they're going to have to go through some more growing pains before the wins start coming. And that starts this Sunday in Jacksonville. It's going to be a get-right game for that Jaguars uh, offense. And I think they do have that get-right game. Uh, Jaguars 28, Texans 13. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way with the Texans. They're getting some pieces in place. Uh, D'Amico Ryans is going to have that defense playing tough, no doubt about it. Love what I'm seeing out of C.J. Stroud, but yeah, lacking some weapons there on offense, no doubt about it. Um, I thought about this one as the upset special as well, but, you know, Jacksonville, like you said, uh, they're going to be embarrassed after last week um, in a game that they really thought they were going to be able to make a statement. And it turned out to be the chief's defense making the statement on them. So uh, Jacksonville back with a little bit of a vengeance, but I, I think Houston's still going to hang with them and keep it close. I've got it. Jacksonville 24 Houston 21. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me either. The Texans definitely have the uh, head coach, the scheme, and the uh, talent to make this game even more competitive than many believe it will be. And the Carolina Panthers, uh, like the Texans, uh, they're 0-2, but I think they do have a bright future out of them given the talent. They have a defense given uh, their young quarterback and Bryce Young and the promise he showed so far. They travel to Seattle to take on the Seahawks, but just like the Texans, I think the growing pains continue for the Panthers before the wins start coming. The Seahawks absolutely got punched in the gut by the Rams unexpectedly in week one. I just do not see a Pete Carroll team losing two in a row at home. I like the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I, very impressed with that Carolina defense. Uh, they've shown up these first two weeks and kept those teams uh, in those games uh, where they had a chance to win it. But like you said, um, yeah, growing pains, definitely on offense, lack of weapons on offense as well. So uh, I just can't see them going into Seattle and uh, beating this team. I'll, I'll have them keep the score down, no doubt about it. But at the end, Seattle 19, Carolina 13. The dumpster fire Chicago Bears, where literally everything is going wrong. It's not just the quarterback. It's the coaching. It's the personnel on the field. It's literally everything travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. This is a get-right game for the Chiefs offense, and boy, are they going to get it. The, the Bears defense, they're not going to be able to stop anybody this year. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes, is, and no matter who he's throwing the ball to, he's going to just slice him up all game long. And Steve Spagnuolo is going to have Justin Fields running around like a deer in the headlights all game long. Not even close. This is another candidate for lock of the week. Chiefs, big time, 35-10. to 10. Yeah, sound that simpatico alert, David. I am right there. I had my finger hovering over this game as the lock of the week. Um, it's just a mess in Chicago right now. And that's not even getting into poor defensive coordinator Alan Williams stepping down yeah. and Eberflus having to take over the defense and face the Chiefs. My goodness. So um, no doubt about it. Could have been a lock of the week. I'm pretty close to that score as well. I have it Kansas City 34, Chicago 13. And Sunday night in Vegas, the Raiders with their home opener of the 2023 season host the Steelers. And you remember that scene in the Monty Python movies where uh, they were uh, reenacting uh, during the, uh, the the Black Plague and oh. <laughs> and, uh, and like all the monks were like a smacking boards against their heads? Yep. <laughs> well, that is what I'm doing right now in spirit because I bet against Mike Tomlin's Steelers against the Cleveland Browns. Yes, the offense is struggling. Yes, uh, Matt Canada might not be the best offensive coordinator for the team, but these are the Steelers. They grit and grind their way to victory like they've been doing for the past 50 to 60 years with just three head coaches. Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin does make a difference. Uh, they just find 
ways to win ugly, and they're going to do it again this Sunday against a Josh McDaniels Raiders-led team who definitely got away with the win in week one against Ever and showed their true colors last week. Steelers all the way. Yeah, I'm with you 100%, David. Uh, Steelers, gritty, ugly type of game. I don't believe in that offense yet in Pittsburgh, but they'll anybody's going to find a way. It's Mike Tomlin. So Pittsburgh 23, Vegas 18. And as part of the Monday night uh, doubleheader this week, the Los Angeles Rams travel to Cincinnati to take out the Bagels. And this game is so inconclusive right now because, as was reported on Monday, it is unsure whether or not Joe Burrow, who re-aggravated that calf injury on Sunday, is going to be able to play in this game. If Joe Burrow doesn't play this game, give me the Rams. But if he does play in this game, I don't think I'll still go with the Rams because he just is not 100%. And as Ian Rappaport reported yesterday, he is not going to be 100% for some time. And I think the Bengals take a little bit of a step back before they take another step forward this season. I like the Rams in this game. Yeah, I mean, I I like what I've seen out of the Rams. You know, Sean McVay is getting this team turned around. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, I'm just going to go Burrow or no Burrow. Not that I believe in Jake Browning back there, but the, just so many weapons on offense and talent on the defense. Uh, you know, put it on the shoulders of Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. Um, you know, have that young secondary uh, step up as well and start playing better. Uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, all that talent there. Uh, I, One way or another, I, I figure Cincinnati has got to get a W out of this here. Uh, I've got the Bengals winning 27-21 over the Rams. And now it's time for week three bowl predictions, and I will go first here. The Miami Dolphins lay a 50-burger on the Broncos, and they score 56 points, which means seven touchdowns, including three touchdown passes from Tua Tungavailoa to former Denver Bronco River Craycraft. But that's not all. Former Bronco Bradley Chubb, who played a damn good game against your Patriots last week, continues his hot streak with a strip sack fumble six on Russell Wilson. And all day long, the Broncos are going to be hearing Jimmy Buffett over the loudspeaker of Miami singing, Thins to the left, Thins to the right. <laughs> all day long, 56 points for the Dolphins, including four touchdowns by former Broncos. That's my bold prediction for week number three. What about you, Hal? I like that. I'm going to stay on the revenge theme here. Uh, Giants over the 49ers doesn't make any sense at all, right? No Saquon. Missing pieces on the offensive line. No Saquon. No problem. Matt Breida, the former 49er, has the game of his life rushing for two touchdowns, catching two touchdowns out of the backfield as well, including the game winner on the final drive as he gets his revenge against Shanahan and Lynch for shipping him out of San Francisco. That's my bold prediction. Matt Breda, four TDs. Ooh, both going with the revenge theme this week. I like it. And as always, we conclude our program with our challenge flags, and I will go first here. My challenge flag goes to the Los Angeles Chargers. Los Angeles Chargers, you're way too talented to play the way you've been playing the past two weeks and be 0-2. Win this weekend against the Vikings or kiss your 2023 playoff hopes goodbye. That's all there is to it. I just don't see a way you can be 0-3 in such an insanely talented and deep AFC and make the playoffs. You're playing for your lives, sweet Chargers. Either put up or shut up. That's my challenge flag. What about you, Hal? I like it. I'm going to reverse the opponent on you, though, and go Minnesota Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell. 13 wins last year. You're 0-2 now. Yeah, that seat is getting warm. And October, it's not getting any easier because you've got Kansas City and the 49ers coming up on your schedule. Uh, Minnesota, find a way to run the ball. Kirk Cousins has not been the problem with the offense. Danielle Hunter has been the only one showing up on defense. Defensive coordinator Brian Flores, 
what were you doing with two men in the box and daring Philadelphia to run right up the gut against you and those light fronts last week? That was not a good game plan. Step it up. You got to find a way against the Chargers. Let the Chargers Chargers and give you a free interception. I'm picking you to win against a more talented team. So your challenge is to prove me right or your season is 0-3 and over Kevin O'Connell. Ooh, I like that challenge. And speaking of the Vikings running the ball, I think we should let our viewers know that uh, just as we were recording this, the Vikings traded for Rams running back Cam Akers. So another familiar face that Kevin O'Connell knows from his time in LA headed to Minnesota to hopefully give that running game the boost it needs, as you said. And he is Hale Bet, ladies and gentlemen. Catch his work at full press coverage and follow him on X at HaleBet01. Hale, thank you so much as always. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back in exactly a week to recap week three, preview week four, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to follow me on X at DCROM59 and on Instagram, TikTok, and now threads at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with the K. For hell bet, this is David Cromwell saying so long and whatever you do, please choose love, please choose kindness, please choose compassion, please choose selflessness, and please choose empathy, which are the core characteristics of the best teammates and teams in any sport. Until next time, cats, kittens, stay cool. <laughs>